please exhale. And now let's begin. Welcome to the Science of Light. I'm your host, Rosemary. If you're interested in exploring holistic wellness topics through a perspective that blends spirituality with science, I think you've found the right place. And I'm so grateful that you're here. Let's figure out this life thing together. Always keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Science of Light. Today's episode is about Ayurveda for Kapha season. So as I'm recording this, it's the afternoon before the winter solstice. And as I've talked about, I think I actually covered this on my other podcast, on the Yogi Scopes podcast, in relation to the most recent full moon, because it is falling so close to the winter solstice that... In my mind, in my experience, in the several years I've been paying attention to this stuff, to Ayurveda and living seasonally, and how that matches to astrology and and yoga practices for all of those things, um, I think I've always marked in my mind the winter solstice as the entrance to Kappa season, kind of like um, the fall equinox is round about the entrance into Vata season, and then the spring equinox is the entrance into Pitta season, the hot, fiery summer season, but all of those dates will be somewhat flexible depending on where you are in the world, what the climate's like. Where I live, we have four pretty solid seasons, but where I grew up, we didn't really have winter that much. Um, so so this information will vary a little bit. It, and the winter solstice might not be, you might not feel like you're in kappa season yet, but I'm bringing it up now for a couple reasons. Because uh, for one thing, as I also mentioned on the Yogi Scopes podcast today, um, Venus is retrograde. So I did a big long special episode over there about the Venus retrograde. And maybe... You listen to this podcast and you have no care in the world about astrology and you don't have to. This one is primarily about yoga and living seasonally with Ayurveda. And if you care about astrology, that's why I made a completely separate podcast because I recognize that not everybody cares about all of the things. Anyway, um, so for the next several episodes on this podcast, I have coming up a bunch of interviews I've actually already done with various women and femme, um, female healers and yoga teachers and folks like that talking about, um, things that Venus kind of governs and represents like sexuality, um, you know, the moon cycle, feminine issues, um, things like that. So Venus represents more than just those things. It also represents, um, Things like luxury and creativity and relationships. And if you want to get more into that, you can listen to the episode I did with Amber Brown Short on this podcast a couple of few months ago now. Or you can go listen to that Venus Retrograde episode and listen to more about that. But what the reason I bring that up is because, you know, on this podcast, I'm going to bring you some astrologically or ayurvedically relevant messages and depending on where you are it might already feel like kappa season 
or it might not for a little bit, but like I did with the Vada season episode, I want you to have the information ahead of time so that you're prepared for it if you start to notice imbalances. Because that's kind of the whole idea is like living living seasonally with Ayurveda, you, you might not experience imbalances from every season. It's going to depend on your dosha, your prakriti, your personal constitution. It's going to depend, you know, because everybody's different. That's why I love these sciences of astrology and Ayurveda because they give, they're kind of what I use mostly to come up with personalized yoga practices for folks because they're such a good framework really to delve into a person's unique needs and um, preferences and ways of being that, you know, because every, every yoga practice isn't going to be for everybody, you know, every, um, remedy isn't going to work for everything. Like there, um, some, there's this quote I heard that was like the difference between medicine and poison is the dose and the dose is going to depend, you know, like you don't give the, a baby the same dose of medicine as you do an adult, right? So so we have like an understanding of those things and Ayurveda beautifully, beautifully simplifies it um, in my mind. So just a quick crash course refresher on Ayurveda. I have plans to in the spring go deeper into Ayurveda stuff and this is another thing that will be, of course, if you join the membership, you will get way more resources than you get just on the public podcast because you'll also get like worksheets and things to work with this more than because I know I listen to a lot of podcasts and they're great for like learning things um that's why honestly why I try to make them do a little bit more storytelling um and give examples with the podcast because it's not meant to be a lecture it's meant to like entertain and hopefully you also learn something while you're at it Right. And then the membership is where you might have things that are more like lectures and worksheets and things to work with. Dive a little bit deeper if you want to. Um, So just know that's coming up in the spring. Um, Really, actually, as we transition into Pitta season, because then I will have had all three of these episodes on the public podcast that folks can refer refer back to that will be good for dealing with. Vata, Kappa, or Pitta imbalances. And so if all of those words are like, sound foreign to you, it's because they are foreign, they're Sanskrit. Um, But um, they are the doshas. So let me like way rewind, quick crash, crash course to make this all make sense, give it all context. So in Ayurveda, which comes from Samkhya philosophy, um, I'm trying to give enough context without, like, giving too much and boring you. It comes from the same place as yoga does. That's all I need to say right now for that, right? Um, There's this belief that everything in uh, nature, everything that exists, is made up of three gunas. And the gunas are qualities. Um, And so those are... Sattva, which is basically purity, rajas, which is movement, and tamas, which is stagnation, heaviness. Um, and so 
those things manifest through the elements into doshas. And so I know if you're into science like me, you know there's a periodic table of elements with over 100 elements. There's lots of elements. And according to science, elements are what you can, like you can't break things down any further than, you know, you have atoms and you have molecules and um, elements cannot be broken down any further except into their protons and neutrons. Anyway, Ayurveda believes there's only five elements. And at first, when I first was learning about this, you know, I'm fresh out of engineering school. I was like, eh, I don't know. I know there's a lot more than five elements, but just bear with me. Uh, Suspend your disbelief for a moment to kind of wrap your head around this framework. And then you'll see, I hope, why I think it's so beautifully simple that it just works. Because sometimes simplifying is the best way to understand things rather than overcomplicating it and creating more nuance. Um, and that's what I believe Ayurveda does for us is it, it's, it's just simple enough that it kind of distills things down into their essence and makes them much easier to work with, much less clunky when you're trying to understand every single nuance. Um, and so that's kind of what the, the gunas, the elements, and the doshas give us is little categories, right? So it's like everything you do can either increase your purity or it can increase your movement or it can increase your stagnation, right? Like purity as in sattva, um, movement as in rajas, or stagnation as in Thomas. And then the elements are um, earth, air, fire, water, and ether. And ether is sometimes called space. Um, or you can think of it like the spirit element or empty space. Um, and air is like wind. Okay, so those are the elements. And everything is made up of them. And then... Our bodies are human. When we come into human form, we have a prakriti, which is um, that's our dosha. So that's our constitution. That's that's like what we're born with. That's what we naturally tend towards. And then there's also this concept of vikriti. So if you get imbalanced, I don't want to get into vikriti too much because I feel like in most cases, like that's just going to confuse you. And we're going to get in the weeds about it. So we're just going to talk about your doshas and possible imbalances. So the idea is that um, you can, you're born with a certain type that you tend towards. And I'll explain those in just a moment. Um, they're the three doshas, vata, pitta, and kapha. And I'll get more into what each one of those means in just a moment. But um, you tend towards one, maybe two of them. And... Um, that will be your natural state. And then everything is governed by those doshas. So different times of day, different periods of life, different um, activities, uh, foods you can eat, they can all either increase, they can balance or imbalance a dosha. Um, so kappa is made of earth and water. And so kappa season is um, late winter to early spring. It's the time of year when it gets really dark and damp and cool. Um, 
I feel like we're already there where I live because it's uh, really freaking dark outside. I mean, tomorrow's the winter solstice. It's the darkest day of the year. It's going to continue being dark, really dark, until um, kind of right before the spring equinox. Um, it will continue being mostly dark outside, and we've already reached the time of the year where it's just cold and rainy. You know, it's just like moist outside. It's gross. You know, um, maybe you live somewhere that it snows a lot and you're kind of in the time of year where it's just quiet and snowy outside. That's kappa season. Um, vada season is, vada, the dosha, is characterized by the elements of air and ether. So it's very much like windy, cold, lots of movement, um, things like that. And then Pitta is fire and water. Yes, fire and water make up Pitta. And that's like summertime. So it's hot, oily, um, you know, lots of movement in the summertime. And so in a nutshell, that's, that's the doshas. I think on the Ayurvedic routines episode, I did a much better job of explaining the doshas, but I didn't, I felt like I couldn't do this episode without like giving you a refresher because most of you listening are probably not um, like Ayurvedic practitioners, right? Maybe you are, and then I'm glad you're here and I'm sorry for boring you. But um, yeah, so everything is kind of made up of that. And we're entering into a time of year that especially if you are, if you tend towards kapha naturally, um, you might experience imbalance. And so I'm going to tell you about what those imbalances could look like. Even if you don't tend towards kapha imbalance, tend towards kapha in your nature, you might still experience imbalance. So that's kind of the whole point of this episode is to explain to you um, what to look out for, things that exacerbate this kapha energy, and then things that will balance it out more. So some of the symptoms, some of the things that make it worse, and some things you can do to make it better. So basically this comes down to the notion that like as above, so below. So when the kapha qualities in the environment um, increase, it increases kapha qualities in the prakriti, in the body, mind, and spirit. And so Ayurveda teaches us, it's so simple, it teaches us that like increases like. And if you are having imbalance because of that, then pratipaksha bhavana, you should cultivate the opposite. Um, so kappa season and kappa in general, so like I know I told you the elements it governs, but um, maybe that didn't mean a whole lot to you. You're like, hmm, earth and water. Do I feel like mud right now? What does that even feel like? What does that mean? Uh, so that's why I think this system is so beautifully, perfectly simple that when you start Delving into, okay, so what do what do damp earth qualities feel like? It's heavy. It's dark. It's cool. It's damp. It's stagnant or dormant, like I kind of talked about. Oh, that was on the other podcast again. Like like the, the plants go dormant at this time of year, the uh, late winter to early spring before they really start blossoming forward again. That becomes uh, pitta season. It's very grounded. Um, can be oily, uh, which that's, that's a, 
how it manifests in the body cop it can be very oily um cool heavy slow smooth stable those are all expressions of kappa energy and so some of those are good things you know stability is a good thing being grounded is a good thing um but and even being dormant for a little bit is a good thing you know like to kind of give yourself time to rest and recharge is a good thing but then when it gets imbalanced that's when you start to have problems come up right like depression um and that's like I know the line I'm supposed to say is that like if you experience depression this is not a medical advice you should go blah blah blah, seek a person who's more qualified than me um but you know what I mean like if you experience like heaviness and sadness and um lethargy perhaps even weight gain uh sluggishness it's hard to get up in the morning things like that can all be within the realm of totally normal experiences that still just don't feel like things that you want to like maybe you're having a hard time getting up and and you're not happy about that and that's a, a kappa imbalance um and of course if it's like to the extreme of where you like really can't get out of bed then definitely seek help for that um beyond just listening to a podcast but um sometimes like you know when it's dark for freaking 15 hours out of the day and you have to be out of your house an hour before the sun even rises or whatever it can be harder to get out of bed that's a totally like kappa season thing kappa imbalance and so this is actually what I was getting at on the yogi scopes podcast when I said um that I see a lot of winter solstice yoga practices are um, like yin or restorative practices. And that just doesn't feel aligned for me. Like, listen, I tried it in my own body because that's what everybody offers every year on the winter solstice. Because they say something to the effect of like leaning into the energy, like taking a deep pause. And I agree with that. Like maybe, maybe that is what you need. But to me personally, it feels like it creates more imbalance. It feels like it um, exacerbates the kapha. And also, I'll tell you in a moment more what kapha imbalance like specifically looks like. But the general idea is um, stagnation. And if you do suffer from things like maybe perhaps never diagnosed seasonal affective disorder type things where you just get a little extra sad, a little extra tired. Um, I agree that doing um, restorative or yin practices, they might help you in making peace with that ability to rest so that you don't feel as bad about feeling a little bit extra tired. But I don't think they're going to make you feel less tired or sad or lethargic at this time of year. I think if you want to combat that, you need to do something else. And so that's why I think the winter solstice, um, maybe you just do it once for that day, but I don't know. For me, it just pretty much honestly at the start of um, daylight savings time here in the U.S., when it starts getting dark at like 5 freaking p.m., uh, this feeling starts creeping in. 
And then really it's around January, February that it kind of gets at, it, at its worst. And so um, just to clarify now, the, the specific symptoms of imbalance that might come about of COPPA imbalance. And so this is what I'm saying. If you don't experience any of these things, then proceed with your restorative yoga and your yin yoga. And also FYI, just like quick clarifying note, if you're unfamiliar, um, restorative and yin yoga are different and there's nuanced differences between the two practices. But the what they have in common is that they're both practices where you hold the poses for three to five, sometimes even up to 10 or 20 minutes each. So for an hour long class, you might only do five or six poses, give or take, which is a far cry from the vinyasa yoga I teach where you do one breath per movement or one, you know, a couple breaths per movement, much slower paced, much more introspective. Um, but I just think that those practices are actually like, they're fine they're just they can exacerbate imbalance so if you feel like you tend towards imbalance in this way uh at this time of year then I recommend steering clear of those but if you don't then like continue to do them because that's the whole idea that I tried to explain in the first portion I hopefully I did a good job of communicating it um that you have a unique constitution and different things will affect that constitution they'll either balance it or imbalance it um and and by things i mean times of day times of life times of year seasons um things you eat activities you do uh, and hopefully i'll continue to paint a clear picture of this as i give you more examples but symptoms of kappa imbalance are um like having a cold, cold and flu-like symptoms are because one of the, you know, earth and water in the body, this manifests as mucus. So kappa imbalance can mean excess mucus in the body, which can mean digestive problems, especially sluggish digestion. Um, the kind of symptoms of a cold that are like, like you, when you're just mucusy. I think on, on one of the episodes, either the Ayurveda for Vata season or the I'm pretty sure it was the Ayurvedic routines one. I gave a pretty good rundown of the doshas, and I was talking about how the kappa time of life is like childhood, and that term snot-nosed kid, even though it's like usually used in a derogatory way, um, once I had a kid, I was like, these little humans are just always mucusy. There's just all, they just always have mucus, and it's because they're in kappa time of life, which um, you can see in their, like, they're baby fat. They're heavier. Um, they're like just chubby little, big, round-eyed, mucusy human beings. They're nice and um, slow, which is like funny to think about. I have a two-year-old and he's like off the walls, but slow in a different way. Slow in like a um, intentional way, I guess is what I'm looking for. I don't know. Um, if you have kids or you're around kids, you probably know what I mean. Um, so it can also mean weight gain or water retention, swelling and puffiness. Um, those are all uh, manifestations of kappa imbalance. But then some uh, 
more spiritual manifestations can look like lethargy, depression, lack of motivation, uh, over-attachment, which can look like greed or hoarding, stubbornness, sadness. All of those things can come from kappa imbalance. So if you think about, just go back to those kappa qualities, heavy, dark, cool, damp, stagnant, dormant, grounded, um, slow, smooth, stable, When you have too much of those things, too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. So too much stability can look like greed and hoarding, right? Um, Too much groundedness can look like lethargy, you know, things like that. And so um, now let's talk about things that increase kappa. So whether you naturally have that dosha or not, um kappa season when it starts to get cool and damp outside like late winter and early spring cool cold and wet you know especially if you live in the southeast here like I do it's just cold and wet and like if you live somewhere that snows more often it might not feel like that yet um but kind of I think places where it snows they call it like the slush season you know when things are just cold and wet you know and the snow kind of starts melting so it might be a little bit later depending on where you are but you might already be experiencing it just purely because of the dark. And if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, I'm sorry, it's the complete opposite time of year for you. So I apologize. And then once I have, once we reach pit season here in the North Northern Hemisphere, you'll be able to go back and listen to Vada season because you'll be on the brink of Vada season. That'll be helpful. So, um, so thanks for bearing with if you are in the Southern Hemisphere, but here in the Northern Hemisphere. And again, so it's going to vary based on where you live. But so the season definitely can exacerbate kappa. Um, the early years of life, you might tend towards kappa imbalance, like kids, like kids always being mucousy. Um, and times of day. So this is actually going to get into the remedies. I'm going to go on that tangent real quick. 6 a.m. to 10, 10 a.m., and 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. It's so funny. I actually was sitting down to record this episode, and it was like 2.45 p.m., and I was like, oh, I feel like I need, like, some more caffeine or something because I'm... Do y'all remember those five-hour energy shot commercials where it, it would start out, and it was like, do you ever get that 2.30 feeling? And it's talking about, like, the commercial is talking about how you get kind of, like, spacey, at around 2.30 if you work like a 9 to 5 job and it was trying to sell you these caffeinated drinks, 5-hour energy shots, just a little shot of a shit ton of caffeine and I don't know, B vitamins or something, um, what's in them really. But basically, I sat down and I think of that commercial often. I'm like, yeah, the 2.30 feeling, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. and 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. are Vata time. And like I've mentioned a couple times in relation to like being pregnant and pregnancy increases Vata. Um, well, one of the characteristics of Vata being the air element is being spacey, scatterbrained, airheaded, right? And so I was like sitting down and it was like 2.45 and I was like, oh, I got the 2.30 feeling and it's Vata time of day. So uh, each time of day is governed by a different dosha and 10 to 2 is Pitta time. So one of the well, this is a remedy for almost any imbalance, honestly. Um, and do what you will, but um, 
because I know some people maintain that they are they do better being um, night owls, and I think that's okay if that's been your circadian rhythm for a very long time. Then it probably would be extremely hard for you to change that, and so maybe you do do better being a night owl. But because of melatonin production while it's dark outside and all these other reasons, um, and just the way the rest of society functions, reasons, um, I think. If you were to try it long enough, you would find that being early to bed, early to rise, and sleeping while it's dark outside would probably really benefit you. So have you ever experienced this where you're like, you wake up around like, you know, 9 or 10 in the morning, and like the later you sleep in, the more lethargic you feel, right? Um, Well, so that's what happens when you wake up during kappa time. If you wake up... According to this tradition, and I've tried it out in my own life and I believe it, if you wake up between 6 to 10 a.m., you're going to feel more lethargic. And of course, now, don't shoot the messenger. Of course, if you go to bed at like 1 a.m. and then you try to wake up at 5, you're going to feel lethargic. So what I'm saying is learn the difference between sleepy and tired. So if you're going to bed on time, if you have a hard time going to bed on time, maybe try to start... um, Just get up earlier first so that when it's time to go to bed, you feel exhausted and you do. Because if you try to go to bed earlier, if you're like, I'm not going to start getting up earlier until I start going to bed earlier, that's not going to work for, I hope, obvious reasons. Um, So you need to be tired when you go to bed. So, um, But have you ever experienced this? I used to do it all the time when I was in school. If, If I would stay up late to work on homework, you hit that second wind around like 10 p.m., you know, and if you're not like winding down and going to bed by 10 p.m., you just all of a sudden now you're going to stay up till two in the morning, whatever, doing whatever. That's because 10 to 2 a.m. and p.m. is pitta time, which makes sense. 10 to 2 is like the hottest time of the day. Um, It's when you probably get the most done. It's when you should eat lunch because that's when your digestive fire is at its peak. Um, So all these things are governed by the doshas. And hopefully this is just a good refresher, giving you another clear picture on how these things show up, um, giving you a more intuitive understanding of how the doshas manifest so that you can recognize when something you're doing is either exacerbating your imbalances or soothing them, right? Um, So things specifically that aggravate kappa are... Um, eating heavy, dense, thick, oily, sticky, sweet, and cold foods. So um, fried foods, not good for kappa uh, if, you have, if you experience the imbalances. So this is all with the caveat of like, don't worry about any of the shit that I'm saying if you're not experiencing imbalances. You continue to do these things if you didn't notice any of the symptoms that I mentioned earlier, which are things like, extra mucus, sluggish digestion, uh, lethargy, depression, water retention, sadness, attachment, things like that. If you don't notice any of those things being a problem in your life, then turn off the episode. I don't know. Um, (laughs) So if you do, maybe try uh, eating. Well, so in the remedies, I'll I'll get to what you should do instead. Right now I'm telling you what not to do. Um, And then in a moment I'll tell you things you can try to do instead. So... um, In lifestyle choices, getting stuck in routines even if they don't serve you. So having an over-attachment 
to routine. So now routine can be really pacifying for Vada because Vada can be kind of spacey and all over the place and scattered. So bringing a routine can be good for Vada, but sometimes that can look like an imbalance of Kappa if you become overly attached to that routine and it's not um, serving you any longer. Um, and then also not engaging in enough physical activity is very kappa imbalancing. Um, and then cool or wet climate and entering into the kappa time of life. So all of these things I've kind of discussed, but I wanted to just say them in kind of bullet format for you. Um, so we'll talk about foods separately. And I want to, and again, give the caveat because I feel like I have to. I'm not a registered dietitian, so like... I'm not going to prescribe you herbs. I'm not an Ayurvedic doctor, but I am working my way through an Ayurvedic nutrition specialist certification, which does qualify me to at least tell you this stuff. Um, So like I was saying, heavy, dense, thick, oily, sticky, cold or sweet foods, uh, not super good for kappa, but things you could eat instead... um, You could try foods like beans, uh, oats, barley, quinoa, things, because those things will soak up the moisture is kind of the idea. Um, In my experience with these things, just try it and see how it feels for you. When you eat these foods, when you eat any food, it's more important your experience of it and say, does this make me feel more heavy or does this make me feel more light? That's where the gunas come in. And I know I didn't give them their due justice. Um, and I, they, they really each kind of need their own episode and that's in the plan for next spring. But, um, does it make you feel more sattvic, more pure? Does it make you feel more tamasic, more lethargic, more heavy, more kappa, um, type? Or does it make you feel pitta, rajas, movement, fire, heat? Does it, you know, just notice when you eat something, how does it make you feel? in that moment when you eat when you're eating it and also while you're digesting it. So just just start to notice. And um but then also other good foods to eat for kappa for balancing kappa are things like grilled vegetables, popcorn, lighter foods, right? Um and then you could also try adding warming spices like pepper, ginger, turmeric. Turmeric is anti-inflammatory. That can be really good. Um, because those will balance out the cold quality of kappa. And then so the practices, so this will get a little bit more into the Ayurvedic routines and specific yoga practices to balance this. So waking up at Vata time of day. Ayurveda really recommends that you wake up during the Vata time of day and you go to bed during kappa time of day. So kappa time is 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. So 6 to 10 a.m. and p.m. Is kappa time of day. If you wake up in kappa time, you're going to feel more lethargic for the day. But if you go to bed during kappa time, it's perfect because you're sleepy, you're stable, you're solid, you're grounded, right? That's a good time to make your room nice and dark and cool and go to bed and wind down. But according to Ayurveda, you should wake up before 6 a.m. because that's actually during the air element time of day is the best time of day to do your meditation practice and movement because air is movement. Vata is movement. 
So if you're if the prime way to do it would be to wake up before 6 a.m. and do a movement and meditation practice. But I'm with y'all. I have a two-year-old, and he's kind of now reaching. He still sometimes wakes up at 4.30 just, like, randomly. And I'm not going to, you know what I mean? So I'm with you. I know sometimes getting up and doing, like, when you have children, getting up and doing a big two-hour-long yoga and meditation is just fucking ridiculous. And I hate when people act like it's not uh, <laughs> because, it to me, it is. Um, but when you don't have kids to worry about, you can structure your life in that way. But when you've got other people depending on you, maybe you can't um, or shouldn't. Like, you always can, but what's the do the benefits? Anyway, you know what I mean. If you don't have kids, don't worry about it. If you do have kids, you know what I mean. And um, so, but I do maintain that waking up before 6, like 5.30 or 6-ish, you know, the when you do that, you will wake up feeling more energized. And especially if you're going to bed during, if you go to bed before 10 p.m. So I just think that's optimal. I do. I've been, I've worked in food service before in my life. I've worked hours where it kind of forced me to be a night owl. I get it. I think if you train your circadian rhythm this way and give it its due diligence shot, you will appreciate it in the way I do. I really genuinely do. Um, so like I said, wake up at the bottom time of day. If you can do your movement practice in the morning, great. If not, I highly recommend trying to get one in the middle of the day. That's going to really help, uh, like during pitta time, sometime between 10 to two. That's honestly, that's what I do. I have kids, but I find time it's on, it's totally sometime between 10 and two. Usually that I find time to do sometimes it's like three or four, but most, which is then back into Vata time. Right, So if you can do your movement practice, either right first thing in the morning when you wake up, that'll energize you. And actually, this is interesting, for kapha imbalance, Ayurveda philosophy says that you can have coffee. And Ayurveda is not normally a big proponent of coffee, but they do say one small cup of black coffee, so not sugar or sweet, you know, sweetened or um, with cream because dairy and sugar are kapha foods. You can have them, but they're going to increase the imbalance if you if you experience one. Um, and then another other things that can give you a boost of energy in the morning, including like sesame seed oil, um, self-massage, um, and then vigorous, intermediate to vigorous yoga practices. So things that increase heat and circulation in the body like vinyasa yoga, but if that's not for you, you could try things like twists. You know, you could do inversions or arm balances, but maybe that's not for you. But just some gentle twisting, um, things that things that improve your circulation. You can just go for a walk, man. I don't know. That's going to, you know, get some movement in. And then, of course, there are a few different breath practices that can help because they are um, heating. So those are Kapalabhati, Bastrika, and Agnisara, and I'm not going to even attempt to explain how to do those in this audio-only format, especially at this late in the episode. So you can find resources on Google. Of course, like I said on my other podcast again, it's my intention that one day I will have a whole library of these things for members that you can just go and pick a practice 
um, that's beneficial. When I mention it, you can just go and find it. I will eventually have these resources for you. But if not, for now, those things are totally out there on the internet. You can just search them. Just in a nutshell, if you experience imbalances like stagnation, depression, greed, hoarding, lethargy, a hard time getting out of bed in the morning during this time of year, um, see what you can do to create movement and lightness and heat in your body and mind and spirit. And hopefully this was helpful for you. Um, Yeah, thanks so much for being here. Remember to always keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Until next time, friends.